Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we wanna say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Paul M, Nick W, Matt S, and Brent S. Returning guest on the program today and a new company to introduce, Craig Perry has joined us. Craig is the executive chairman of Vizsla Copper, a British Columbia, Canada-focused copper exploration and early stage development company that has a number of projects, including Wood Jam, Carruthers Pass, and Blueberry. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol VCU, and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol VCUFF. Craig, great to have you back on the show. How are you? Andrew, real pleasure to be back. It's been a while. I'm, I'm well, thank you. Likewise, it's been a while, and I know we've kept in touch offline, but uh, it's good to have you back and see what you're up to and, and get an introduction on this new company that you've been uh, focused on, amongst some other things. But uh, Craig, just to refresh the audience here, why don't we kick it off with an update of your resume? Why don't you throw that at us, please? Sure, sure thing. So, you know, I'm a geologist by trade. I think I've been doing this 24 years now. Uh, mostly on the exploration side of things, I worked for Rio Tinto Exploration for eight years uh, in various different commodities before going out on my own. Well, actually, I joined Oxiana briefly and then partnered with Owen Hegarty to start the Tigers Realm group of companies out of, you, you know, some notable companies came out of that. Uh, I, I co-founded NextGen Energy and we discovered the Arrow Deposit, um, now a sort of $3 billion plus company. Uh, we started EMR Capital, and I'm a general partner there at EMR. Uh, we've got about seven billion of assets under management in that private equity firm and fund. Uh, and then um, uh, moved to Canada with the sort of success we were having at NextGen. We thought, well, we might try and replicate that. So we spun a few properties out into a company called ISO Energy that I was the CEO of. Uh, we discovered the um, uh, uh, hurricane deposit. <laughs> back in 2018 and uh, and uh, advanced that towards um, resource and development. I think that uh, Hurricane was actually the, the highest grade deposit ever found in the uh, in the Athabasca Basin, incredible grades. Um, and then uh, and then I partnered with Mike Connett to form Inventor Capital and we've started a number of companies at Inventor, uh, the most notable of which is probably Beesler Silver. Uh, and we spun Beesler Copper out of Beesler Silver to, to continue our strategy to put our foot on as much copper as we can. I'm a bit of a copper tragic. Um, I've got a view that we're going to see 30, $20 or $30 per pound copper in the next part of the cycle, probably the next five to 10 years. So we, we, you know, we love copper and we want to put our foot on as many pounds of copper around the world as we can. And that's what we're doing in Wiesler Copper. Some good stuff there, a bit of history. Owens, fantastic guy. Um, I'd love to see more Owens uh, come into this business and fantastic guy. And I appreciate uh, an introduction that we've had with him. ISO Energy is another notable for us, uh, just being able to participate and be able to enjoy the bulk of that run early days in the uranium sector. So appreciate your efforts there and delivering value to us. Appreciate that. And, and of course, uh, you've got a lot of other things on the go. And I want to come back to Inventa a little bit later uh, before diving into Vizsla Copper in a moment. Come back mm -hmm. just a little bit more 
talk about how you look at the copper market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's something that I'm passionate about. I think, um, you know, we're supply side tragics uh, where we sit in the in, in the market and in the supply chain for metals. Um, and I suppose, you know, we're coming at this from a perspective that there there hasn't been enough major discoveries in the last 20 years to keep up with the demand that's emerging. Um, the head grades of deposits have gone down dramatically. And, and a lot of, because of the sort of depth of this and, and extent of this downturn we've been through since 2013, you know, we, we can't see projects out there that have been advanced enough that can meet can meet the, the demand that's coming. Um, you know, of course, the copper market's about 21 million tonnes per annum. Um, some of the major trading houses and economists that look at our sector are saying that we'll need another 7 million tonnes of copper per annum. So you're about to see a 30% increase roughly in demand for copper over the next five years. Uh, we, we can't see anything on the supply side to come close to matching that. Uh, you know, last time around, and people say, well, you, you know, you're crazy for thinking copper could go to $20 a pound. Um, I think that the, the supply demand dynamics this time around, um, as opposed to the last cycle, which was from about 2000 to 2011, 12, um, you, you know, this time around, we're seeing a much more challenged supply side uh, and a similar amount of demand growth. Uh, the last time round, you know, we saw copper in 2020, uh, 2000 was about a 14 million tonne per annum market. Uh, that rose over the next 12 years to uh, a 21 million tonne per annum market. So again, another absolute increase of 30%. And that was enough to drive the copper price, um, you know, from 71 cents. When I started at Rio Tinto in 1999, they, you know, the, the powers that be there used to make us put 72 cents into our uh, business development and development models, um, diminishing at a cent a year. So, you, you know, the copper price, very low, and people had a, a perspective that prices weren't going to go much higher. Uh, but, of course, what happened over the next years with that 30, uh, next 10 years with that 30% increase in demand was that the copper price ran from 72 cents to all the way up to $4.60. So that's six times... Uh, where it started. So you can see dramatic increases uh, in, in metal prices. And we've seen it, you know, of course, it's a cyclical business and we've seen dramatic increases in things like the price of lithium, which has gone up 20 times. Um, and, you know, historically that last uranium boom, uh, the uranium price went from seven bucks a pound all, all the way up to $150 a pound. So we know prices can increase dramatically with a fairly minor change in the supply-demand side, uh, supply-demand dynamic. Uh, here we're about to see the most dramatic increase in copper demand ever on the history of the planet. I think Robert Friedland says that um, you know more copper will be mined over the next 10 years than have been mined in every uh, all of uh, history before that. So, um, and then against that backdrop of seriously challenged supplies, projects that haven't been advanced, and importantly, projects that haven't been advanced on the permitting front, um, we simply can't see a supply response. I think, sort of anecdotally, if you look at projects that have been developed in recent times uh, on the copper front, there aren't many, of course, Roberts, uh, Kamoa, and Kakula in the Congo uh, is, is probably the biggest new source of supply at about 500,000 tonnes per annum. 
Um, my friend and, and fellow board member, Simon Smurlak, who runs Osenko Engineering, the world's biggest independent EPCM contractor for mining, uh, he just commissioned the last big copper mine, which was Mina Husta down in Peru. Uh, that came on stream earlier this year. That was a project that I worked on a little bit at Rio Tinto 20-odd years ago. It's taken about $2 billion to get that project into production. Uh, and it's going to do about 100,000 tonnes of copper per annum, despite really high grades and a good setting. Um, and we only, and you know, this is the important thing, if you listen to Trafigura or Glencore, we need another 70 of those over the next five years to meet the demand that's coming. Um, and I can tell you there ain't 70 of those types of projects out there. So we think stronger, you, you know, much higher, much stronger copper prices and stronger for longer. Uh, copper prices as well. So you want to, you know, I think it's an extraordinary opportunity to make sort of asymmetric gains, as they like to say. Now, it's a very interesting market, and I like Friedlow's analogy with respect to the the telescope analogy that he uses, which uh, we use for other things over here in a different fashion. But uh, certainly the market's setting up really well. There's a confluence of events on the supply side that just really ruin the ability for demand to come in and really take much of it. And, you know, whether it's permitting problems, Craig, or local community problems or governmental problems or expertise problems, as you know, there's there's not a lot of people out there either that can actually bring these things on and successfully produce. It is a challenge also. I mean, I know we talk about this in the uranium sector, but the lack of expertise is global. It's going to be interesting to see how we go here. And of course, the timing is, is another component. And I want to ask you about this and get your thoughts on this piece because it ties in with where we think this goes and how soon. Craig, as you know, sentiment around some of these smaller scale copper developers who are advancing through economic studies are quite stagnant. They're not really seeing a lot of value. And in a lot of cases, they're actually leaking out value in these earlier stages. And of course, short of production and of course, the potential to expand existing deposits substantially, good discovery still gets a lot of attention. What are your thoughts on this? And do you see it changing in the near term as far as sentiment and how people, investors view these markets in light of an improving copper price environment? That's a great question. I think, uh, you know, and a lot of companies, as you say, are on that sort of in the, you know, as we call it, the Lassonde curve nowadays. That, that orphan period, that trough of, of despair. Uh, and there is a lot of dilution that happens, I think. Um, but, but you look at the sort of potential the companies with projects that could become mid-tier producers. Um, and because of that being in that trough, a lot of them have stopped spending money to advance their projects because it's dilutive to do so. So you, you've had not only... Um, you know, external factors, the lack of discovery, decrease of head grade, decrease of grade of discovery, but you've also got these market factors that have, have prevented development of, of projects as well. So I, I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of companies in, in that position. Uh, and I know from, you know, not bitter experience, but until recently was the chairman of Skeena. I'm now the lead director, independent director of Skeena Resources. We bought SK Creek off uh, Barrick, um, you know, we, we've proven up nearly 6 million ounces of gold there at the SK Creek project. Uh, we've been on the sort of development cycle there for three years. I think we've got a year or two to go now. So it takes even a high grade, simple project with permits in place for construction and, and, and buildings already in, in location. It still takes a long time to permit a project. And I think, you know, if you, if you were to make a major copper discovery today, 
it's going to take you five to ten years to bring it into production so that and and, and a lot of companies are in that boat a lot of companies of course have projects that aren't economic at, at anywhere below four dollars i think the incentive price to to you know bring on a, a few million tons of copper production is probably up around six or seven dollars um so a lot needs to happen before you see a serious supplier response and i think that gives us a very you know promising period for copper investors over the next five six seven years because we simply won't keep up with supply given the stage that those uh th th those sorts of projects are at yeah i appreciate your thoughts on this and of course you know the timing is always interesting from the standpoint of whether you're in British Columbia or you're operating in you know, maybe a country in Africa or even with some of the challenges that we see come out of Central and South America or even Asia for that matter, appreciate the comments on that. I think that's important to put it in context and see where you can take advantage of these cycles, of course. Let's get into Vizsla here. The company did just raise capital. Um, I believe it closed off here a little while ago, but, but talk about the immediate plans for this capital. Uh, if you want to throw in an overview here, we'll get into some other things on cap structure. But yeah, just talk about the use of capital and where you see this going. Yeah, absolutely. So um, of course, you know, in Vizsla Copper, we've got the Wood Jam project here in central British Columbia. It's interesting, we, you know, we've kicked the tyres on probably over 300 projects globally on the copper front, done serious due diligence on about 20 of them. And it's fascinating what we've found in that process over the last three years. Uh, it further highlights that sort of challenge supply side. We found it very hard to find a good project. I'd sort of um, really stepped back from from being an executive in any of our businesses. Uh, I think today we've got uh, under the Inventor Capital umbrella, we've got about 20 companies, uh, 26 companies, I should say, 11 of them are publicly listed. Uh, two of my companies are New York Stock Exchange listed, Vizsla uh, Silver and Skeena. Um, so you know we 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 spent a lot of time looking at copper projects for all of those companies and, and seeing where things fit and i guess we've been the cupboards a little bit bare as they say um so uh and and i i'd sort of stepped back from executive life to some extent but uh told the team if they managed to put their foot on this wood jam property uh, I'd, I'd come back onto the tools and do more work. So, um, and, and I did that at the start of the year. The guys managed to get a deal done on this property. We've, we've covered it for a long time. We love the, the, the potential of this project and the existing resource base. So, so I've got fully involved. You know, I led the capital raise. We, we were pleasantly, I suppose, you know, in probably some of the toughest markets I've ever seen. I, I think right now is about as bleak as I've ever seen it. Uh, metal prices are pretty strong, but the market's response is to sell off. A, you know, it's a fairly shocking market. But I guess we've had a track record of discovery and development success at Inventor Capital and Vizsla Copper. Um, so that set us in good stead to to raise funds. We raised two million of hard dollars, uh, four million of flow through. Uh, in my partners at Inventor and I um, supported the financing very strongly. I think we put in about two two million dollars of the financing. Uh, but we're pleasantly surprised that there's a lot of people that still want to back us and still see what we're thinking. Uh, still, uh, you know, agree with us on the copper potential of copper and the copper story. Um, so we, we got that done. Uh, we've got a drill rig, I think, mobilised to site yesterday or actually the day before. Um, so this is sort of a, a current and immediate news. Um, we, uh, we, we 
of that four million, I think we'll probably use about three million over the next three months. We've only got one rig heading out there. Um, we'll be drilling in and around some of the high grade hits on this property. And there are some spectacular high grade hits that the market hasn't really seen before and appreciated. You know, drill holes like 150 metres at two and a half grams per tonne gold, 0.4% copper. Um, so we'll be drilling close to those. Looking to extend these high grade zones of mineralisation uh, is, is, is the key thing. So it's really high impact exploration we'll be doing. And I think the chances of getting good drill results come, um, you know, once once the rig starts turning and we start getting assays back in, in sort of six to eight weeks, you know, the chances there being some good numbers in there are very, very high. Um, you know, my team, I've got a fantastic team of geologists and world-class geologists, guys who've discovered major deposits. Steve Blowers, our VP of Exploration. Steve, um, you know, Steve's uh, discovered three uh, major uranium deposits so far um, and, and has worked on a number of copper projects around the world, including uh, projects not far from from our wood jam property so Steve's leading the charge there and, and um, you know I think his chances of making another discovery here very very strong Chris Leslie dr. Chris Leslie is as uh, one of our senior advisors and Chris was one of the discoverers of Blackwater so um, you know I've got a fantastic team that are directing the drill rigs as to where to go but uh, you know the immediate low-hanging fruit for us is to drill around some of these high-grade zones that we'll get to and talk about and uh, get some solid results off the back of that and then look to continue the drill program for the longer term uh, we we did uh, Andrew we did a mag survey back in um, February March this year we were a little bit astonished by the results we got I've been doing porphyry copper exploration for 24 years and whenever I do a mag survey over a project or a property, I'd be very pleased if you get a couple of discrete mag targets come out of it that you, you would follow up with drilling. Well, here we came up with 103 discrete mag targets, all of, you know, any one of which could be a porphyry project and certainly based on uh, based on the sort of conversion of target to discovery that previous explorers on, on this property attained. I think our chances of discovery of further serious porphyries is, is very, very strong. Talk a little bit more just about uh, when do you guys think, and we'll come back to capital structure here, but when you guys think you might have some results come out of this initial targeting of, of some of the highlights because, you know, and you might just mention too how you and Steve and, and some of the other guys managed to break down those 103. Talk about how you guys have been able to drill down to sorting out which ones you're going to go after in this first program yeah look it's an interesting project it's been you know it's sort of uh, the, the guys we bought it off the guys from consolidated wood jam bill morton and glenn garrett fantastic explorers they actually staked the ground about 30 years ago and then in the 2000s goldfields i came in and started earning into the project goldfields is a significant shareholder in visla copper now through their their interest in consolidated wood jam but um, you know, Bill and, and his team, they came up with about eight original targets uh, and drill tested those, six of which turned in, out to be porphyry centres. And, and, you know, it, it's it, it, fascinating. It's clearly a, an interesting part of the Earth's crust. Um, you've got Mount Polly just up the road, 30 kilometres to the north of us. Um, actually, our property extends to within 10, 10 kilometres of the Mount Polly pit. Um, there's a lot of uh, in, it's in the Quinell magmatic arc, 
uh, a heck of a lot of porphyry systems in there. One of the things that, that you know we are trying to counter nowadays is that a lot of people will say, "Oh, BC porphyry is low grade." Well, that's not the case. You know, Copper Mountain, for example, the head grade there is about 0.3% copper today, uh, but that actually started off as an underground operation uh, back in the 30s. Steve Blower worked on it uh, in the in the 80s and 90s. He was the chief geologist there at, at Copper Mountain. Um, and he says he thinks there was a, probably 100 million tonnes at about a percent copper within that that deposit originally. It was just that it was mined out a long time ago. Um, you've got things like New Afton, which is about 1.2 percent copper, um, and a number of much higher grade systems. Uh, Mount Polly, Imperial put out a drill result a couple of weeks ago, 160 metres at 0.5 percent copper and 0.5 grams per tonne gold. So there's high grade here, uh, and on our property. Um, the, the six porphyry centres that have been found, um, some of those are, are really, you know, got some very, very high grade hits, particularly on the gold front. And I don't mind having a bit of gold because I think gold's going to really have its day in the sun here at the back end of this year, but uh, a lot of copper there as well. So the low hanging fruit for us is to drill around these high grade zones that haven't been into, brought into the resource base yet. And I should say there's nearly two billion pounds of copper and a million ounces of gold uh, in in our existing resource base, but before we even stepped onto the project, um, I think we can expand those zones very quickly uh, and grow a high grade core to some of these 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 systems that will become a mine, and that's our objective here. I'd love to prove up 50 to 100 million tons at about that percent copper equivalent mark, and in this neck of the woods, and given how deep the deposits are, very very shallow, I should say. Um, you know, our chances of building a project around you know, high-grade zones like that, very, very strong. So that's the low-hanging fruit for us, get in and drill and extend those high-grade zones. Uh, and then just to, to talk about these other targets, um, look, it is, a, it is a challenge to rank and prioritise so many discrete targets, but what, we, what we've come to find about this project, we, we, when we got out there and started looking at the core, um, you know, Chris Leslie recognised the, the core is looking very, very similar to North Parks, which was a Rio Tinto project in New South Wales. Um, major producer for Rio Tinto has been one of the sort of big copper producers, first big underground block cave operation in the world. Um, major project, Rio Tinto sold that for $800 million to a Chinese group about five years ago. Um, but in that North Parks field, the, the rocks are very cyanitic, um, orange potassically altered rocks and they occur as sort of pencil-like porphyries, pretty narrow discrete bodies um, and, and there at North Parks, uh, Rio and other explorers found over 40 porphyries of which three were very, very high grade, you know, one and a half, two percent copper equivalent type grades. Um, so, the, you know, a district like this with these alkalic porphyries uh, and, and a mixture of calc alkalic and alkalic um, you can have a lot of porphyry centres, and, and I sort of, I'm taking the view that a lot of these mag targets we've come up with will be actually porphyry centres. So we've, it behooves us to get in and test all of those, but you've got to rank and prioritise them. So we do have some IP over the property. We've completed a ZTEM survey over part of the property, and that will all go to feed into our exploration model. Uh, there's been soil and rock chip uh, sampling um, across the property as well. Uh, and then just straightforward mapping and um, the, the team, when we hit the ground there in March this year, uh, I think we were pleasantly surprised. There's a heck of a lot of 
logging goes on across the property and a new logging road that had just been cut uh, had cut through a, a hill that had um, copper staining and porphyry rocks um, so you know the loggers have helped us made a discovery there and that's that's off um, that, that that previously hadn't been recognized so that's a, a new discovery of mineralization in outcrop uh, so that you know you've got to get in and test those but I, I think um, so we'll, we'll rank and prioritise all of those. This first program will target these high-grade zones and look to extend those and build a resource around those. But we will do some drilling over some of these targets, the higher priority targets, just to, to have a look and, and better advance uh, our knowledge of the geology and prospectivity here and um, metallogeny. Uh, and, but uh, we'll also, um, you know, we're also a good chance of making a discovery of a new porphyry centre in this first program. And look, over time, I'd like to test, you know, every one of those um, those mag targets. I want to follow up on one thing you mentioned, just so I can get your thoughts and you can provide a context for the audience here. When you're looking at copper specifically in British Columbia, Canada, what characteristics and profile does a project really need? to get the interest of a major or even a mid-tier copper producer? Yeah, great, great question. Look, I, I think um, you know, there's two types of projects in this day and age. There are smaller, you know, sub 100 million tonnes of percent copper type projects. And then you've got the bigger, you, you know, one of the companies we have under the inventor umbrella is called Surge Copper. Uh, we put out a PEA on our Berg project last week. Um, you know, big project will do 100,000 tonnes of copper per annum, strong strong returns, 20% uh, plus IRRs. But, you know, the, the, the cost of developing that project is about $2 billion. So it, it has scale. You know, there's over a billion tonnes of uh, material, you know, mineable material there at, um, at, at sort of 0 0.4, 0 0.5% copper equivalent. But a big project, you know, and, and, and that's something that I think the majors are starting to look at again and get, get more interested in. But to my mind, what you'd really want to develop a project at the moment uh, is a, a smaller, higher grade project that, you know, grade's always king, of course. Um, and, and so having something around a percent copper that you can develop yourself and move towards that mid-tier status is what we're trying to do. And, you know, we love to develop projects. We won't, we've, we've been in the copper game for over 20 years now, continue to be there for the rest of our lives type of thing. And um, and, and so having a project that we can develop and, and capitalise on uh, on what we think will be a, you know, to be able to feed metal into a market where the, the copper price is going above $10 is, is our objective. Um, I should say, you know, we're starting to see in BC a serious amount of interest from a lot of the bigger companies. Um, I know my mate uh, Simon Collins, who's the C uh, CDO of South 32, uh, he's spending a lot of time doing exploration work in British Columbia now. We've seen BHP come in and invest, Tech are continuing to invest. They took a, a put $10.5 million into Kodiak Copper, which is just down the road from us. Um, uh, you're seeing Freeport make some serious investments, Belieden, Nantifagasta, uh, and, you know, we know Rio Tinto are looking around again. Uh, BHP continue to look for projects in BC. So it, it's really starting to heat up uh, as a, a, an investment destination. A lot of development work going on in BC at the moment. Of course, at Skeena, we're looking to, towards building our um, Eskay Creek project, but you've seen... 
uh, Newcrest and, and now presumably once it completes Newmont building the Redcrest project. Uh, of course, Newmont bought GT Gold a couple of years ago for about 300 million uh, up in the Golden Triangle. So there's a heck of a lot going on in BC. There's a lot of interest and I think you know part of the driver for that is that it's a good jurisdiction. Um, you've got fantastic geology and prospectivity. Uh, you know, plenty of plenty of different styles of mineralisation, but particularly these higher grade porphyry systems are, are you know very much development ready. Uh, and then you know, to to our great surprise, our friends in Ottawa are actually putting in place um, uh, tax breaks and incentives for development of critical metals, uh, which is another positive for Canada more broadly, but particularly BC as well. Appreciate you throwing some context around that because it's always important. And BC is an interesting place when it comes to copper mining. And you know, you always have to be aware of the differences with the high grade material there versus maybe some of the lower grade copper projects throughout the world. And of course, the regulatory and the incumbent. You know, there's a couple mid tiers there, and there's some majors there. So it's always interesting to get your two cents on what you believe is a good profile, scale, and grade to really get folks interested and potentially go after a takeout. Let's come back to capital structure of the company for a moment. Why don't you just highlight the cap structure here and then also major shareholders and where the management and board stands with their ownership? Sure, absolutely. So look, we, and post that financing, we've got 95 million shares roughly out, about 9 million warrants. So that's, uh, you know, fully diluted, 100, 110 million shares all up. Trading around 22 cents today. We did the financing at 22 cents. I suppose we're pleasantly surprised that we haven't come off there. Um, you know, copper prices looking a bit stronger in the, the past week are helping. But within that, you know, we've got a market cap of about 22 million in total, 6 million cash in the bank. Um, so we're in really, really good shape to go into, you know, of course, summer is typically a fairly sort of quiet period for the market. Um, but, uh, but we'll be putting out news flow into into um, into the summer and and the back end of summer as assays start to come in. So we're well funded for all of that. Um, the, the shareholding. So of course we 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 bought Wood Jam uh, as a, a, a acquisition of Consolidated Wood Jam. Uh, our shareholders received thirty five percent of of the the vehicle. Uh, Wood Jam shareholders sixty five percent. So, you know, we've inherited a, a big, strong shareholder base there and, and uh, Bill Morton at Consolidated Wood Jam did a great job of bringing on some serious high net worth investors there and prominent investors, one of which, of course, is Goldfields. So Goldfields have 4% of the company um, and that came through their interest in the project uh, when they were earning earning into to the, the Wood Jam project. Interestingly enough, and probably not worth touching on, but Goldfields um, had this project up to 2013, was in their top two greenfield projects globally. Um, unfortunately, then, uh, of course, like a lot of companies at that time, 2013, Goldfields cut their exploration budget, Greenfields exploration budget to zero and had to jettison the project, which they were disappointed to do, but they converted their interest in the property to an interest in the company. And hence they sit there as a, a watchful uh, and interested shareholder. Uh, and then management and advisors, as I say, you know, I've invested about a million dollars, a little bit over a million dollars, my wife and I, um, into the company so far, uh, both you know, that, that's come in, in the form of three placements. So, you know, I'm a true believer here. 
a lot of our sort of partners and team at Inventor Capital have contributed significantly as well. We have a you know major position in the company and we'll continue any future financing. My intention is to continue continue to back this because it ticks all my boxes uh, as an investment opportunity. It's in the right commodity. Uh, there's a resource base there already that we acquired very cheaply and that gives us leverage to the copper price and gold price uh, over the coming, uh, well, medium to long term. Uh, so I love that. And then it's got this huge exploration uh, upside and prospectivity. The drilling that we'll be doing, I think our chances of getting some spectacular drill results very, very strong. So it ticks all my boxes and hence, you know, we've invested personally heavily here. Excellent. Craig, I appreciate you covering that off on a bit of a time constraint here. So I want to get on to a few other items here and then we'll wrap up. Outside of Wood Jam, of course, you got Carruthers Pass and you've also got Blueberry Projects. Talk about those, if there are any plans for those, maybe over the next, call it 12 months or so. And then let me couple that with, is the plan to keep those projects in-house or is there a potential for those projects to be monetized in some way as you focus on Wood Jam? Good question. So Blueberry that was actually a listing property. Uh, it was a group that made a porphyry discovery not far from those properties. So we, we bought into that area about five years and we actually started Vizsla Resources that became Vizsla Silver and Vizsla Copper um, with those blueberry properties. So they're really our listing properties. We did a little bit of work and we see some potential there. But um, And then Carruthers Pass is an interesting thing. I, Carruthers Pass, different style of mineralisation. We think that there's probably... Uh, it's VMS style mineralization that we've discovered there. We've done a little bit of work. Um, I think there's a you know a lot more potential there. But but one of the things we pride ourselves on in our inventor capital group capital group of companies and the Wiesler companies uh, is we we drill and kill things pretty quickly. And you know I think uh, we we looked at Blueberry. Um, and of course, you, you've always got to rank and prioritise any opportunities you've got. And I think I've talked to you about this before, but you know, I, I, I do that on the basis of size of the prize, cost of the test and chance of success, which we can come back to. And I suppose what we're seeing is that the, the, the project that ticks all those boxes is the wood jam property um, that, you know, we must focus on that property because it gives us our best chance of success uh, and the size of the prize is massive and the cost of testing targets they're not too bad so you know we deprioritize blueberry uh, we've probably um, whilst we will come back to Carruthers Pass uh, a much better more intelligent sensible use of our investors dollars is to focus around these high grade zones that have already been discovered on the, the wood jam uh, properties. Carruthers Pass, interestingly enough, was another deal with Bill Morton, who um, and, and we we did treat that as a little bit of a, you know, for want of a better term, a loss leader in a way. We wanted to demonstrate. Bill wanted to do a deal on that. We wanted to demonstrate our capability um, in 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 the lead up to trying to put our foot on this wood jam property. So that was a sort of two year long process, really. But that was enough to to convince Bill of our merits and the fact that. You know, we, we have similar values. We like to see as much of our investors' dollars go into drill holes and into the ground. And, you know, that was enough to get Bill across the line so that we could get this wood jam deal done, which was really the prize we were going after. That was the jewel in the crown of, of Bill's, Bill's opportunity. Thank you for uh, highlighting that and maybe some of the plans here with some of these other projects. How about uh, local community relations, Craig? Talk about that for just a moment and, you know, what you're dealing with there and then how the local community is being utilized to support the company. 
Great. Uh, look, it, it's early days for us, of course. We've, we've been operating the project for only six months now. So we're you know, working on building on the relationships that Bill had. Um, importantly, I think we're, you know, it's a mining district. Uh, you know, there's a good, strong history of mining in the area. We're only 55 kilometres to the east of Williams Lake, which is a major regional centre here in British Columbia. Um, so you've got fantastic access to everything you need, including drill rigs and drilling companies. Um, and importantly, you know, the, there's major roads to the project, roads all across the project, logging tracks, there's power to the project. Uh, so, you know, we're in very good shape on, on that front. Uh, the the First Nations people there that, that uh, cover the area are the Williams Lake Band, and we've started to engage with those guys. This is one of the things I... I really need to work on over the coming months, but they've been supportive of Bill and the team, uh, and we I think we'll continue to enjoy that support. But but you know that's something that you must work very hard on. I suppose we do have a track record of doing that successfully. You know if you look at Skeena, um, we've built up a very strong relationship with the Taltan First Nation and enjoy their full support. Um, so we'll be looking to do that here. But I suppose importantly, it's an industrial area. It's, uh, you know, we're not up in the high mountains. We can operate there year round. There's been a heck of a lot of logging across the property, which gives good access uh, and, uh, and you know, uh, indicates that, that this part of the world is open for business. So uh, we're in great shape on that front. There's not many better places to explore, really. Greg, how about further awareness of the company? You know, this is pretty early days, as you said, but uh, what are you doing on this front as far as awareness? One of the struggles that the previous explorers had was getting market attention. Unfortunately, they weren't terribly good at getting word out there of what they were getting. So some of these spectacular drill holes that were sort of re-released and will be drilling around, um, you know, things like at Southeast, 51 metres at 1.6% copper and 0.8 gold. Deerhorn, one of the best intercepts, was 110 metres at 2.6 gold and 0.44 copper. Um, the, the previous guys, unfortunately, not many people saw that news. So for us, it's been fairly straightforward. We haven't done much marketing and haven't done, you know, uh, much promotion on the company yet. That's going to come. Um, but uh, really the, the first time we sort of lift the, lifted the covers off on this was in March in the lead up to that financing. So we, we've got a lot of new shareholders come on board there. It was, the, the financing was, of course, supported strongly by existing shareholders, but we've got some new holders um, keeping a watchful eye on, on what we're doing. Um, and now really, you know, I do have a budget to get out there and go to as many conferences and, and do as many podcasts and um uh, and, and some advertising and the like. So we'll be doing a lot of uh, market awareness type stuff over the coming months. And I think that, you, you know, that combined with this high impact exploration that we'll be doing, uh, whereby we're a strong chance of getting some good drill results, um, you know, that'll, that'll definitely raise awareness to the company. And I think if you look at our comps out there, um, probably the most prominent is Kodiak Copper. Uh, I think we've already got uh, a couple of porphyry systems that looks like their, co uh, co their porphyry copper discovery. Um, you know, they've got a market cap of 50 or $60 million today. We're a fraction of that. Uh, and, and so, you know, simply by raising awareness to what we've, what we've found here uh, will help get us on the path to, um, you know, to meeting valuations similar to our comparable companies. Looking forward to seeing how that develops out there. And then, of course, these these initial drill results that come back here uh, soon. So I appreciate the, uh, the plans on that front.
so you've got a lot of things going, of course, with Inventa Capital, a lot of things on the go there, which is the umbrella group. Talk about Inventa just a little bit more, the core values, how you're making money, not only for the insiders, but also the investors who support you in the mid and later stages. So look, we established Inventor really to capitalize. Mike and I started working together. We acquired a cobalt project and then we moved into TIN. We've got a, a business called TIN One Resources. That's worth uh, T-O-R-C is the ticker on the, the venture exchange. Uh, another company worth looking at. We started, of course, Visa Resources and now Visa Silver. Uh, we made the the Panuco discovery down there in Mexico. That's fast turning into a the uh, well, what we're drilling out there is a, a, a new silver district. Um, you know, I, Greg Huffman from Canaccord saying that it's the most significant silver discovery of our time. Um, so that that's turned into a real winner for us and and for our investors. Uh, we've got a number of other companies there, largely focused towards battery metals and metals that are important to the you know, this, this electrification of the planet that, that's happening at the moment. Um, so we acquired all of Wallbridge's nickel assets and that's in a vehicle called Archer Exploration. Um, you know, I should say whilst we, we're copper tragics and we see copper going to, to, to incredible prices, um, the same can be said for most metals. We love nickel, particularly any battery metals, nickel, lithium, tin and so you know i think we're going to enjoy a massive market there so we've been trying to put our foot on as many pounds and tons of battery metals as we can and that's what we've done there with archer exploration uh, we have a lithium business uh, called targa exploration uh, that's an exciting one we you know we're in the middle of a staking rush something of an old school old time staking rush in quebec at the moment uh, you know a lot of people are saying that quebec will become the saudi arabia of lithium so we've been been working away at that and putting our foot on, I think, some of the very best ground in, in, in Quebec in our Targa exploration, very much worth people having a look at. TEX is the ticker on the Venture Exchange. Um, and then lastly, you know, we brought the band back together, uh, the the ISO Energy band back together. Steve Blower and uh, is chairman and Keith Bodnachuk, both who work for me at ISO Energy, uh, Keith's the CEO of COSA Resources and COSA, uh, you, you know, we, we've put our foot on some really interesting exploration ground in the Athabasca Basin. Andy Carmichael and Justin Rodko, who worked for us at ISO Energy, are part of the team now as well. Those fellas led the discovery of our hurricane deposit and you mentioned that up front, Andrew, you know, we took, uh, I think when we made the discovery, uh, ISO Energy was trading as low as about 24 cents a share. Um, by the time we left the company 18 months ago, uh, we're up above $5 a share. So that was a 20-bagger for some of our investors there um, through good exploration work by the team at COSA Resources. So I'm excited for that one. I know that you've supported it uh, yourself and, and uh, Keith's been on the podcast. Um, you know, Keith's one of the uh, emerging brilliant lights of the resource sector, I think. Um, you know, the, the, the team are very good. Keith's also a group head of corporate development at Inventor Capital, uh, but, but T, uh, Keith and Steve are leading the charge there at COSA. I, I'm excited for that one. Uh, one thing I do know, we've got some very good looking ground uh, where, you know, you know, drill holes have intersected mineralisation but the discovery hasn't been recognised. So pretty straightforward job for the team to go and follow up some of those drill holes and see what we've got. Um, but one thing I know about that team is that if there's any uranium on the property at all, 
uh, Keith and Steve will find it. And uh, so I'm excited for COSA. So that's a sort of in, in, in a nutshell. We, we, uh, we, we've got, um, you know, Wiesler Coppers become one of the more prominent companies. I, I'm, I'm back day-to-day uh, -day working on leading Wiesler Copper. It sort of demands my attention because it's such a good project. And, and then lastly, we're doing a little bit of work in the, the you know, clean energy and carbon space. So we have Vita Carbon, uh, which is, is a private company at the moment, but um, I think will we'll turn out to be a best-in-class carbon uh, offset business in, in coming years as that market really gathers steam. That's a lot of stuff. I appreciate the coverage on that and, and certainly remember some of these and followed a number of them. And of course, uh, our participation in ISO going back to 2017 and then more so in 2018. I remember the days of the 24 cent, 25, 30 cent area where we did actually add to our position there. And so great opportunity there with ISO. And of course, the rest has been history at this point. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you covering that off. And I'll tell you what, why don't we stop it there? I know we could talk longer, but uh, for sake of time, we need to get on with our days. And I know you're busy here today as well. So let's stop here. For potential investors who are listening in, Vizsla Copper has a market capitalization of about 21 million Canadian. What do you say to investors who are considering these prospects of the company as part of their junior copper exposure? Yeah, you want to be on this one. Drilling starts here in the next two days. We'll have uh, we'll have very strong news flow. Importantly, drilling in and around past high grade hits as we look to expand those zones. So I think our chance of drill success are very very strong. Uh, and I think as we come out of this sort of the summer doldrums, we'll, we'll be heading into a massive boom market for all metals, but particularly copper. And this is a great way to position yourself to benefit from this boom that's coming. And Craig, best way for investors to contact the company. Uh, you can go to the website, vizlacopper.com, uh, V-I-Z-S-L-A-Copper.com, uh, and you'll see everything that you need to there, and there's contact details and the like, uh, and you can get in touch with my team from there. Craig, good to chat again on a podcast. It's always a pleasure. Uh, keep us updated on Vizla Copper, and best of luck, sir. Good on you, Andrew. Always a real pleasure to speak with you, mate. And uh, I, I love some of the questions you ask and uh, you do a great job by your followers. So well done.